0: And if you take your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 14, for tonight's study. We saw this morning from the context, the Apostle John, as he's writing, he sees three angels and hears a loud voice, right? Three angels and a voice in chapter 14. The tribulation period, picture has already, picture. this. The tribulation has already gone on for some, maybe six and a half, maybe even longer years. It's going to end at the end of seven years when Jesus comes back in power and great glory. And so the world has suffered greatly under the six seals that have been broken. Remember those? The four horsemen riding down the streets of gold, False Christs flooding the scene, and because the Holy Spirit's been removed in the rapture, uh, although the convicting work of the Holy Spirit's there, these false Christs grab hold of that attention in the, uh, the hearts of mankind. And then the second seal, the third seal, the fourth seal, the fifth seal, and the sixth seal. And over three and a half years, judgment comes upon, the, upon this planet. But when the seventh seal is, is broken, can picture that wax seal on the title deed to the planet, that as it's broken by the lord jesus christ himself seven angels show up with seven trumpets those are part of the seven seals or the seventh seal and these seven angels as they blow their trumpet produce catastrophic events on planet earth everything from a third of the grass and a third of the trees four trillion trees and a third of them are burnt up a third of the ocean water a third of the ships, the merchant ships. We talked about how many merchant ships are out there and how many would be destroyed. Can you imagine a third of the of the salt water? Uh, and then think of the loss of aquatic life, sea life, and what that would smell like. And then you have, um, and, and then one tragedy after another. You have a third of the sun, a third of the moon, a third of the stars disappearing. And all of that's taking place under the seven seven trumpets. Remember as the uh, crevice in the earth opens and out comes a horde of locusts, demonic locusts. These are demons, fallen angels, that have the power to torment for five months. Uh, But the people, the unsaved people cannot die. They will try to die, but they can't. They will seek death but not find it as they are tormented for five months by these demons. And then this huge 200 million horseman army of demons coming out, flooding the planet and killing so that by this time, four sevenths of the planet is dead. And you can imagine the, stenth, the stench and the decay after this. And then when that seventh trumpet is blown, we'll see this in chapter 15. Out from the temple that is located up in heaven, as the temple doors are opened, out march seven angels in glorious splendor, each carrying a bowl. And in the bowl is the wrath of God, judgment. And as the bowl is tipped and placed on the planet Earth, rapidly seven more judgments, and then he comes then Jesus Christ is back. So we're right in Revelation 14. We're right at the end of the seven years. We're waiting for the seven angels to march out and pour out God's wrath upon this planet. But remember the great things about this morning's message. When John was, was writing these visions down, the vision he saw, according to Revelation 14, is an angel flying through midheaven where the birds and the airplanes fly. An angel. It almost sounds crazy, but an angel will fly through this planet, through the, the sphere of the devil and his beast and false prophet, and it's a message of the gospel. He will proclaim with a loud voice the everlasting gospel. He is giving good news to this doomed planet. But listen, the people on planet earth have already heard a witness from you and I. True? True. As you and I share the gospel with our family and our friends and coworkers and people in our neighborhoods, they are hearing the gospel, and if the rapture should take place right now or in my lifetime, some of the men and women that I've shared the gospel with, and they did not believe, would end up going through the tribulation. So they might have heard the gospel from us. They certainly would have heard it from the 144,000 Jewish people, right? 12,000 from 12 tribes. They have heard the gospel witness from 144,000 Jewish people. They have heard the gospel on this planet from a multitude of Gentiles during the seven years. They have also seen two witnesses in Jerusalem powerfully preaching the gospel and authenticating it with miraculous signs. There is no excuse why anybody should not be saved during the tribulation. They have heard the gospel numerous times, but the Lord in his mercy... I think here's what he does. At the end of seven years, he says, I'm going to give this doomed planet one more opportunity to hear the gospel and believe. The angel preaches the gospel. Do you think the response is lots of salvations? I think by this time, and we'll see it in the scriptures, unsaved men will shake their fist at God in anger and say, get out of here, we hate you. Can you imagine that? So that's that first angel. He's going to pre- he will preach the everlasting gospel, but he's also going to challenge people to fear God and not the beast and false prophet. He will challenge them to give glory to God who created all things and not to the Antichrist and his false prophet and the dragon. And he will warn everybody, the hour of judgment has come. The door of salvation is quickly closing. Listen, right now, people have time to be saved, right? We can share the gospel with friends and maybe next week share with them and maybe next week, but there's coming a day when that door is going to be shut, much like the door of Noah's Ark. And once the door is shut, their, their fate is sealed. Their destiny is revealed based on if they took the mark of the beast or the seal of the spirit. You agree? So listen, of any age of human history from Adam and Eve, some 6,000 years ago until now, if there was any generation that would have the most powerful witness to this planet. It should have been ours. It should be ours. It should be ours because we know time is limited for this planet. So I want to encourage you that. Now, remember the second angel this morning? It was a message of judgment. The second angel flying through heaven, flying through these mid heavens, he cries out saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. It is a guarantee the kingdom of Satan, Babylon, started by Nimrod in Genesis 10, like I took you through this morning, It has fallen, and it is no more. We'll find out in Revelation 18 that the the song and the music of the city, the economy of the city, the politics of the city, and the religion of the city will fall flat and it will be gone. It will all burn up and it will go away. But only the kingdom of Christ remains. Amen? Isn't that great? Just to know that the kingdom of Christ remains forever and ever. Praise be to his glory. And then the third angel. This is the one that captivates me and disturbs me to no end a third angel flies through the heavens. And we saw this morning, this third angel says, if anyone worships the beast or his image or takes the mark of the beast, they will suffer in torment by fire. And the smoke of their torment will ascend before the holy angels and the Lamb of God forever and ever. So just weigh that out as we look at the next text, okay? Listen, everyone. Many on this planet will die, and they will go to an eternal hell. It is a torment by fire forever and ever. And Melissa and I were talking about it this afternoon again because I just have been bothered by it. Maybe that's why I've had a headache for a week. But listen, an unsaved person, they go to hell, and after 10,000 years, they are still in hell. After a million years, they are still in hell. They don't get annihilated. They don't cease to exist. They exist forever. While we're in heaven praising God for 10,000 years and being taught by the Lamb himself and sitting at the feet of Jesus and the apostles and the men and women of Old Testament, while we're enjoying rest and blessing, some in our lives will be in eternity in a lake of fire, and they will never, ever get out. It is final. That, That bothers me terribly that more men and women don't know Christ. More boys and girls don't know Christ. It it bothers me. I'm disturbed by it, that friends that have died in the last 50 years of my life are in torment, and they will never get out. So this is a, a weighty thing. And then remember that then we heard a voice. So that was the three angels. And then we heard a voice, and the voice from heaven says, blessed be those who die during the time of the tribulation... They missed the rapture. That was too bad. They missed the rapture. They got saved after, and they're going to die before they enter the kingdom. So they would almost think, wow, we missed the rapture, and now we're going to we're gonna die before we enter the kingdom. Is there anything for us? And the Lord shouts from heaven, blessed are those who die during this time of tribulation. Because two things happen. They will have rest from their labors. Hey, I'm 50 years old. I've been working since I was, I don't know, Dad, how long I've been working. Ever since I was born, my dad put me to work, which is good. I learned how to work. But there's a day coming when I will just be glad to rest from my labors. I'm going to enjoy, it won't be a retirement, but I'm going to rest from my labors. It'll be in heaven. And the second blessing, so not only is the first blessing rest, by the way, it doesn't mean in heaven we just sleep all day. We have vibrant, engaging, exciting work. It's just new every day, and we have the strength of a glorified body to do it in. It's going to be glorious Work in heaven and service in heaven and worship in heaven is going to be absolutely glorious. People will write music and write, write um, books and there'll be, I'm sure, carpentry and gardening and all sorts of activities in heaven that we'll do. But, but it's rest. It's the idea of it's no longer the toil that we have since the garden, right? No more toil. And then the second thing, our works follow us. So I, I closed with this this morning. How you live today as a believer affects how you live eternity. I can't tell you enough. You will meet Jesus someday and give an account for your life on earth. No condemnation. Sin is paid in full. True? Every sin paid in full. But you will give an account for things done in the body, whether they were good or worthless. That's 2 Corinthians 5.10. So all of us have an appointment. And I, I'll tell you, I don't know when it is. But it's going to happen. You will stand before Jesus. He will look you in the eyes, and he will reward you accordingly. Now, that could motivate us for godly service and ministry and consecration of life down here. It should, shouldn't it? To know someday we'll stand before the Lord, and we want to, to um, be able to present to him a life that's been lived for his, for his glory. Well, that's the morning's text. I almost preached the whole message, didn't I? But now let's move into the text for tonight. Here in verse 14, I call this the division of the people. The division of the people. Let me read it. Revelation 14, 14. Then I looked. See, John's busy, isn't he? As he's writing this book and he sees angel after angel after angel and he hears a voice from heaven. Now he looks. Look what he sees. Can, can you picture it? Are you? Can you put your mind into this? Picture this. I looked, John said, and behold. The word behold is just emphatic. It is it's like, I think he's shouting as he's writing, and behold, a white cloud. So we love clouds. We see a lot of them around here. But can you picture John sees a glorious cloud just billowing up, shining and bright. But it's, he sees this incredible glory cloud. And on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man. Who has he seen? Jesus. It's the Daniel 7 vision that I've been talking about for a number of weeks. Oh, Okay. But By the way, remember when Jesus was standing before Caiaphas, the high priest? Caiaphas knows the Bible, right? The high priest that was part of the religious trials of Jesus. And Jesus said this, listen, Jesus said to Caiaphas, I am coming on the clouds with power and great glory. And Caiaphas knew Jesus is proclaiming to be Daniel 7, the fulfillment of Daniel 7, the one whose kingdom has no end and the one who will crush all other kingdoms and raise up his own. Caiaphas knew this man is telling me he's going to come on a cloud like Daniel said and set up a kingdom on earth and he's going to conquer every other kingdom it's pretty incredible I still think that's so moving that's incredible so John sees a white cloud and on the cloud sat one like the son of man having on his head a golden crown a ki- the king of all kings and the lord of all lords and in his hand a sharp sickle now that's scary, a sharp sickle. Well, it was used for reaping, for reaping wheat and barley and different grains. So years ago, uh, 2851 Morris Thomas Road, I was I think my mom and dad were gone and I know they were gone because they weren't home when I did this. And remember when I cut my finger with that sickle? I had, we had a little sickle blade and I mean I just like mucking around and so I was cutting some tall grass and I was grabbing onto the tall grass and using a, a sharp sickle blade and my pinky just got loose and and i cut it right here and i still have the scar and it was hanging there it was really gross it was hanging there i had four stitches inside and four on the outside and i had to hold my finger like this bleeding profusely and i had to walk down the street to the neighbor mrs eskelson and she's the one that wrapped it up and i don't know what happened after that but sharp sickles are dangerous so you have jesus seated on a cloud with this sharp sickle all right Verse 15, and another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud. So now another angel comes out of the temple, sees Jesus seated on the cloud with a sharp sickle, and the angel says, thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. This word ripe in the Greek is just not the normal word for ripe. It means overripe. It means rotting on the stalk. It means it is, de- it is decaying. It is overripe. God, looks, God the Father looks at the earth and he sees the sin of mankind, and mankind's sin is rotten, but it has reached its fullest point of rottenness. The evil intent of man's heart, the rebellion, the blasphemy, the hard-heartedness has reached such a crescendo that God the Father says to an angel, get out there and tell my son to start the reaping. Wow. He's not actually going to reap grain. He's going to reap people. He's going to divide up humanity into two classes. Either they know Jesus and they are safe in the barn, or they do not know him and they will be cut down and burned in a a lake of fire. Wow. He's going to go through every country and every nation and cut them down, and all of the believers he brings safe with him, and all the unbelievers are cast into the ultimate lake of fire at a a certain point so can you see this thrust verse 15 thrust in your sickle and reap for the time has come it is now the division of the people what they have chosen if they take the mark of the beast they get eternal condemnation if they take the seal of the spirit eternal life and blessing it is so easy and so simple isn't it why does this world not want to receive it why will they not hear the gospel and and respond it is the arrogance and the pride, the hard-heartedness of man, the desire to be independent of, any, of anybody and especially of God. That is what it is. Well, verse 16. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the, cl- and the earth was reaped. Take your Bibles. Go with me to Matthew chapter 13. We have these Mystery of the kingdom, parables, Matthew 13. Matthew 13, we have, so this enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat went his way. Verse 26, but when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? He said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First, gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So, just a simple story about a a farmer planting grain, an enemy scattering weeds. And they grow up together, and the farmer says, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till the harvest days, and then I'm going to cut them down, and I'll divide them. The good goes to the barn. The bad will, will burn, all right? right, Will bundle up and burn. So everybody, can you imagine hearing Jesus say this with his own voice? I bet a lot of people said, who cares about this farming, you know? Let him harvest if he wants to harvest. I got things to do today. I got plans. But look at verse 36. Same chapter, verse 36. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain. They're like, hmm, what is this all about? Harvest and grain and wheat and tares? What, you know, explain. Verse 37, Jesus answered them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field, the world, planet earth. Seeds are the sons of the kingdom, those who trust in Jesus. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. And who's the wicked one? The devil, all right? So we've got two groups of people, sons of the kingdom, sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil, that dragon that we know of. The harvest is the end of the age, that's coming up. And the reapers are the angels, all right? So we see in Revelation 14, it's the son of man reaping, but I think he also uses the agency of angels to do his work, all right? Verse 41, uh, verse 40. Therefore, as the tares, those are the wicked ones, are gathered and burned in the age, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of the Father of their Father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's a great division of people. All right, um, let's go back to Revelation 14. Does this put evangelism like on the forefront of our ministry? You bet it does. It really does. It puts evangelism on highest priority. Now. There is a valley of Jehoshaphat because there's another illustration. I'm going to give it to you real quickly. It's in Matthew 25. We're not going to go there yet, but someday I'm going to take you there before we finish this study. But in Revelation, I'm sorry, in Matthew 25, Jesus sees himself as the good shepherd and their sheep and goats, and the sheep and the goats would come in to the sheepfold, and the shepherd would have a rod. And if it was a sheep of his, he would let it in the sheepfold. There's only one door. If it was a goat, he would bring the rod down and he would push the goat away to one side. Only his sheep go in the sheepfold. The goats do not. So Jesus pictures at the end of the age, all of mankind being sheep and goats. Goats are unbelievers that will perish. Sheep are God's children that go into the kingdom. And they're going to line up in a sense and they will come before the Lord And if they're his, he lets them into the kingdom. And if they're not, he says, depart from me, I never knew you. And he casts the goats aside. And the Bible says in Matthew 25, verse 41, that he will send them into everlasting fire that was prepared for the devil and his wicked angels. So there's going to be a division of of this world. Right now, wheat and tares, we grow together. There's just nothing we can do about it because we don't really know who's the wheat and who's the tare. Plus, if you uproot the tares, you're going to take some wheat with you. and So we don't do that. Let the Lord do it at the end of the age. But I will ask you, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you don't, that is what you need to do, is trust Jesus. And we need to deliver that message to everyone, that he died for the sins of the world and rose from the dead, and there's no other way of salvation apart from Jesus Christ. All right, so what a, what a story. Um, Oh, and I can tell you this Valley of Jehoshaphat. I can even tell you where it's going to be. I could actually bring you there if you want to come to Israel with me. Anyways, let's move on to this text. Back in Revelation 14, verse 17. Verse 17 of Revelation 14. So if my first point was division of the people, my second point, it's the devastation of Armageddon. So we get another reaping harvest scene, but it's not grain. It's not wheat and tares. It's grapes. And if you haven't been around here or heard me preach about this very often, I, I just want to remind you that the grape, the, you know, the tromping of the grapes and the harvesting of the grapes was one of the most festive, joyous occasions in Israel. And you would g- gather the clumps of grapes and, and throw them in this, this basin. It, was, it would be carved out of rock, and it would have little, little walls around it. It would be usually circular, or it doesn't matter what shape, but it would be a, a place to contain juice. And then there would be one coming out of that basin, uh, which would be like some stone with a wall around it. There would be a channel chipped into the marble or the, or the limestone or the, or the rock. And that channel would have all the grape juice flood through that channel. And it would go down with force of gravity, and it would enter into your containers. And you would put your container like down this little channel, and then you would collect all of the grape juice. But you would have to take your shoes off and get in the basin and step on the grapes. And as you're stepping on the grapes, the grape juice comes up and it gets on your robe because as a man, you're wearing a skirt or a, a long robe. And it would get on your robe even up to your chest, depending on how wild you were when you were dancing in the grape, in the grape uh, wine press. So that's the picture that I want you to do now. We talked about the wheat and the grain, Now we're, or the tares, now we're looking at the... The grape harvest. Verse 17. This is the devastation of Armageddon. Then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven. He also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, who had power over fire. And he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. Now, the grapes being fully ripe is that man's sin has just reached its climax. They are wicked and so hardened in their current state that they will not respond even to an angel flying in mid heaven preaching the gospel. They are done. Their decision was made. Now the consequence comes. We have time for this, so I'm going to take you here. Hold your place here. I just want to show you how the Bible speaks of really one glorious message. Hold your place there. Go to Deuteronomy 32. Oh, listen, I wish I could have you trace the theme someday with me of the tabernacle or the temple throughout all of Scripture. It's an incredible study. There There is a temple or a tabernacle up in heaven. So we're looking at Deuteronomy 32. And the new city, Jerusalem, is a perfect cube. It's the same width, length, and height, just like the Holy of Holies in the temple up in heaven. I actually think, trace out the tabernacle and temple throughout Scripture. uh, There's many things. I think the Exodus, the, the story of the Exodus flows throughout all of Scripture, and the Song of Moses in Exodus 15 and Deuteronomy 32 finds its way throughout all Scripture publicly so that we can always be reminded... Because when I see this, that's what I bought it for. I bought it for this Valley of Jezreel so we can see what God's going to do in the future to this doomed planet. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time in the Word of God. The Word is so incredible. It is perfect. It is without error. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that we might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Father, I pray this week that we would go out not neglecting our salvation, but cherishing it, reminding ourselves that we are loved by you. Our sin is paid. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the word of God. We have brothers and sisters in Christ, on and on and on. Father, don't, don't ever let us become negligent or dismissive of such a great truth. But secondly, Father, we really want to be bold in our witness this week. We want to share the gospel, hand out tracts. We want to care about people's souls because a day is coming when the sickle of the Savior will come to this planet, and the unsaved will be cast into torment, and the saved will be protected and brought into the kingdom. It is real and it is important. So Father, give us courage, give us boldness and lots of opportunities that you might be glorified in the midst of all the people in Hermantown, Cloquet, Esco, Superior, Duluth. We want Christ glorified and made great or just known in his greatness in our community. To the praise and to the glory of God, all God's people said, amen.